Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and you're tuned into Cam, Graydon, and the team at Stickers and Scuffs podcast. They're true Canadian racing fans. This episode of the Stickers and Scuffs podcast has been brought to you by Remax Jack. Jack provides a friendly, customer-driven service in search for homes and provides excellent details on the market, values, and trends in buying and selling. Jack has been able to work with Cam on his search and always makes himself available when he has a question. Remax Jack will help you if you're looking to buy or sell a home within the GTA. He's who Cam K trusts to find his next home, and he should be yours too. Remember, call Remax Jack and start to pack. For more information, go to Remax Jack. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another special episode of the Stickers and Scuffs podcast. This time around, we are we are so privileged to have one of the the biggest names in Canadian motorsports. Uh, Iron Man Gary Elliott is here. Not just not just on the top of being the Iron Man, but also celebrating a milestone in of all milestones the longest running sponsorship uh partnership across canada in motorsports i don't know if it might be a history in motorsports in general but gary elliott celebrating uh, they believe it's 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 something crazy i don't want to age you but uh how long has it been with quaker state this year's this year's 2023 will be our 50th year together 50th year together you don't see it in in really in a lot of things so i'm really excited to ask how how did you get this to happen because it's not something that people can do we even see dj kennington's doing a pretty good job with castrol but uh what's the secret behind uh getting a, a very good partnership well <clears throat> I think there's a few reasons. One, obviously, is uh, the people that you're dealing with um, like you. And um, and I didn't mess up anywhere along the way. Uh, not to make excuses, but there was no social media in the 80s. So, you know, I mean, I, I've settled down a lot over in my life, uh, probably the last 25 years. But, you know, it's um, 
it really is a really good relationship. The, the, the difference between me and I think between me and DJ is that he's had the same person for a long time. And I probably had eight different people. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it, it's a little bit for me uh, because um, I had one fellow that was looking after me, Mark Reed with Quaker state for probably almost 20 years. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it was really good because it was easy to talk to him. I could call him. He asked me how I was doing. He knew the racing scene really well. Um, but now when I'm dealing with the, the new people, uh, they're marketing managers and they're given a, they're given a budget and they're given areas where they can promote and where they can spend their money. And then one of the areas is me, well, they don't know me. So they might know trade shows. They might know events that they can support, but then they say, what's this? Like, who, who's this guy and why, you know, and they, they need to ask the questions of why are they supporting me? And then when somebody says, well, he's been with us since 1974, for most of them, that's before they were born. So, and maybe the odd one, maybe before their parents were born. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a long time. So, you know what? And I've been really good because I do, I, if you were supposed to do five things to keep a sponsor, I try to do 15 things. I try to do way more than I have to, because mm -hmm. for me, uh, sponsors are the most precious thing that I have. So it's important for me to look after them and I do everything I can to, to promote them, to be an ambassador for their product and, um, and make sure that the way I, I race would not only glorify God, but it also would please my sponsors because I don't become, uh, you know, a, an incident or something controversial that happens during a race. And it's all about me because I don't, I don't like to be do that at all because I'm very conscious that the names on my car are people that I represent. So it's been a really good relationship. It's a two way street for sure. Um, I'm been, I'm the only one they deal with, but I've dealt with quite a few on the other side. So I really, I really need to be, you know, patient and, and then, but also be informing and then let them know what I do. So they'll say, Oh, okay, this is, this is good. So, We'll, we'll, you know, we'll continue the relationship. So I'm really, I'm really excited because in 2013, it was my 40th year. And when people talked to me, they said, uh, like at that point, it was the longest driver sponsor partnership in racing history. And I, I, I forget whether I posted on Facebook or on my website, but I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to try to reach 50 years? And then I thought, wow, like that's 10 years from now. And so many things can change like COVID, but, uh, man, oh man, like, um, it's, it's now, now 50 years. And I still, I don't feel any different than I did in 2013 physically, mentally. And I, I did something that was kind of crazy the other day. And this isn't crazy from, from a bad point of view, but I went to research when Quaker state be, uh, became a company 1931. So they'll be a hundred years old in 2031. So I don't know if this is even possible, but wouldn't it be good to, to, to make that my final year, <laughs> but that's eight years from now. I'll be 127. No, I, I, I I'll, be, I'll be much older. <laughs> uh, you speaking of like Quaker state, you've, they followed you 
through so many different disciplines and racetracks and uh, through your career, what all have you climbed behind the wheel of in your racing career, Gary? That's a good question. Well, so or should we ask what you haven't raced? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Should we, should we ask what you haven't raced? Would that be a shorter list? Uh, Yeah. There's a couple classes, but all the ones I've raced, I've had fun and, you can only race so much because you want to be committed too. So sure. you don't want to jump from class to class every year. Because mm-hmm. just if you, if you be, and I'm just saying it doesn't matter who it is, but if, if a person is popular in a certain series, the fans get used to see them and they'd like to see them again next year, see them the year after that. So the fans are really dedicated to drivers and racetracks as well. So it's important if you're, like ideally the best thing for a track would be a guy to start in the mini stocks, then go to thunder stocks, then go to late model in the same, at the same track. And the fans will see him progress from, from four cylinder to small V8 to big V8. So, right. So I started in mini stocks, but that's not where actually I started. I started in demolition derbies and not too many people would say I, I started in demolition derbies. But I wanted so bad to get on the racetrack when I was in my teens. So the only way to do it would be a demolition derby. So I didn't have a trailer. I didn't have any equipment or anything. So, and the idea, like I used to watch Reckham, right, demolition derbies, Reckham races when I was a kid going to the races and they were so exciting. <laughs> but the one thing I didn't like about them was the guy that would sandbag and then sit in a corner where everybody else is trashing their cars. And all of a sudden, when the last guy's limping around, he starts his car up and goes around and, and puts them out. Right. And I thought, you know, that doesn't even, that isn't, that isn't fair and it isn't right. So I started in 1967 and my first demolition derby in a 55 ish Chev two door hardtop. Now, it, just so the guys don't go crazy, the classic car collectors, but <laughs> this thing was rotted out like it was rotted so bad. And maybe if we had it today, like they're they're doing miracles with cars today you know they got all the equipment to make fenders and doors and all that stuff but anyway I, my first demolition derby was at flamborough speedway june 29th 1967 and i won the demolition derby it was 33 cars and i my there was nothing left of my car at the end of the race <laughs> and the good news was you don't have to you don't have to take the car home so <laughs> some guys when you see a guy using the same car over and over and over and over again, he probably didn't beat it to death the first time. So, mm-hmm. but I always made sure I did. If my car would even start or move, I was destroying other cars. <laughs> and um, I did that about 20 times, demolition derbies over my early career. And I won six of them. Now, when I say I won six, that means because I had them actually change the rule that they didn't give it to the guy that was the last car running. They give it to the guy that put on the best show. So if you had a couple of guys that were just kind of laying back, letting everybody beat themselves up, well then, well then, you know, they, they, they weren't really putting on a show. You get another guy out there and the fans are just roaring every time this guy hits a car, right? Cause he's just giving her. And so they changed the rule. They said, we're not going to give the checkered flag to the last guy running. Now, if it is, if it's a really good race, well, I mean, what's a good race in a demolition derby? <laughs> but if it's a good show and there's two cars left and they both put on a good show, then obviously the last guy running gets it. But 
But anybody that sandbagged or sit back, you know what, they're not going to win it, even though they, they think they should because the rule was the last car running. So I did that for quite a while. I won my biggest race was at Pinecrest Speedway in 1970. I won $500 in all-day record race. And nice. there was only two cars left. I had a 56 Pontiac and a guy had a 60, a 60 Chevy. And we were the only two left. And when he backed into the front of my Pontiac and broke the carburetor off my engine. But, <laughs> now you might not know this, but back in them days, like the carburetor was held on by a steel line. Mm -hmm. So it was a steel line coming from the fuel pump up to the carburetor. So when that broke, it didn't fall down on the ground like they would today because they're, you know, there's soft lines and stuff like that or flex lines, whatever. So it still stayed there and it was hanging above the intake and I was still pumping it and it was dropping <laughs> gas. So his car quit. Mine started up. I went about four feet and my car caught fire and I bailed out of the car. I dove out the window and they put the fire out and they gave me the checkered flag. So that was pretty Please cool. Glory. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. And um, the next year, uh, I was interviewed by the, the guy that does the magazines and the, the magazine they made it was, uh, uh, is there a favor on the track? And because I had won so many demolition derbies and no car did I take home, like none of them. So <laughs> I just had a knack it. about it. I always like to get six cylinders, not V8s because they, they would restart when they got hot, but a big V8 with power windows, power door locks and all that stuff. As soon as they got hot, they were the battery would die, mm -hmm. and they, they, you know, they might have had a chance to win, but so I just beat these little six cylinders up real bad, and so then in 1969, Cayuga um, Speedway opened up uh, four cylinder class. It was the first time that they ever ever had that. So Bob Slack had a they had a little small track in the middle of the big five eighths oval, so it was just small going across the start finish line, and then. It would be right in front of the grandstand, just an eighth mile track. Yep. So I raced there for three years and um, had a lot of really crazy memories and experiences there. Um, I'll just tell you one. I was going, I left Toronto to go to Cayuga Speedway and I had um, a, uh, a one ton pickup truck. I had the Volkswagen on the back on a, on a tow bar. My wife was... Uh, she was, it was July, so she would be, uh, July, September, October. So she was seven months pregnant with my son. And so we're driving along. We go over that halfway up the Skyway Bridge. My right rear tire blows on my truck. So I go over the Skyway Bridge. And back then, they used to have a, a toll down at the bottom. So where you'd, you know, pay. And uh, so I pulled over and I went to the toll and asked them if I could use the phone. They said, sure. So I used the phone and I tried to call to see if I could get somebody to bring. I didn't have a spare tire, and which which was typical back then. I didn't have anything spare, right? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even have the proper tools. My dad said to me, he said, "So you're going to race cars now?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Do you have a garage?" I said, "No." He said, "Do you have tools?" I said, "No." Do you have a tow vehicle? I said, "No." So <laughs> how are you going to do this? I said, "I'll tow it with my '64 Pontiac or whatever." But then I had a truck. So I had a one ton, so nobody could come and get me. And I'm stuck at the bottom of the Skyway Bridge, and it's like quarter after five now, and I got to get to Cayuga Speedway. So are you familiar with that area? Yep. 
Okay, so I drive from there to Highway 20, and I go through Stony Creek, and bump, 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 bump. The, the car, the truck is just rattling and banging. I get to the bottom of the hill, and there's a Sunoco station, so I go in there, and my my tire's just smoking so bad, like it's just smoldering. And I said to the kid, I said, uh, do you have any spare wheels or tires? He said, well, number one, I don't have one that big. It was a 20 inch, right? Back in 2000 or 1971, it was a 20 inch. He said, I wouldn't have nothing like that. He said, maybe tomorrow. Can you wait till tomorrow? I said, no, no, I got to get to the races. I can't wait till tomorrow. So anyway, my wife said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, we can still move. So I went up the hill going towards Old Speedway Park. And I went up the hill all the way up sideways, fishtailing because there was no grip. And my Volkswagen was bouncing up and down. The windshield cracked halfway up. The doorknob, the door handle fell off. My wife was holding on. We got finally got to the top and it was smooth. I thought, man, that's that's good. She said, how can you tell it good? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you don't have a spare? I said, if we did, we would have put it on an hour ago. Like, we don't have a spare. And we went from there to Cayuga Speedway and all the way down, like everything was so bumpy until I got past Binbrook. All of a sudden, <laughs> everything was smooth. And my wife said, what happened? I said, there's no tire left. So the tire had flown off the, and we were just on the rim. <laughs> yeah. I was just on the rim and I could do 30 miles an hour. So I'm driving at 30 miles an hour, not realizing I'm heating up the rear end, not, not really caring because I just want to get to the track. I called, I called uh, Cayuga Speedway and asked them about if they would wait for me. He said, well, where are you? I said, I'm on Highway 6 near Rymel Road. He said, well, you're right near Speedway Park. He said, why don't you go there? Because you can race there and you don't have to tow all the way here. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm coming to Cayuga Speedway. <laughs> anyway, 9.30 at night, I'm going along Highway 3 to try to get to the track with an array of sparks flying from the back of my car. The, the only thing left of my the wheel when I got to the track was the the bull pattern and it looked like it was the size of a dinner plate it, it totally wore out the wheel anyway I got there and they did wait for me and wow. they ran the, they ran the the modifieds first and they ran the late models and then they ran the mini stocks last and and then I go out and, and I get on the track I said come on come on come on you know get, get out there and get lined up so I did and uh what a, what a night. And that, so I had to stay overnight there. And the next morning I go to the junkyard and he sells me a wheel for $8. <laughs> and I, I, I did a lot of damage to my truck. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I didn't miss a night. Oh, man. Oh, so, that well, was, so that was mini stocks. I did that until 1972. And then I went to race hobby cars. And yep. after 33 years racing that, I decided to go to late model. So... My son had started, my son also raced uh, hobby cars for, from 1988. I really was excited to race with him. So he raced from 88 till 2003. And then he took the year off and then he got a really good sponsor from Lucas Oil. And they, 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 they sponsored him enough that he bought a late model. And then he got a late model and he went on to win 10 championships and all kinds of things. And then I moved into late model in 2005 and I'm still racing late model. And, and in 2014, I bought a NASCAR modified and I raced them nice. for six years. And I didn't bring that with me down here because there's no place I could race it. 
So oh no, I sold it to Wally Wilson up in Ontario. His dad, Paul Wilson, they bought it, and they still have. It. That's your car, no way. Yeah. Oh Wally. man, Wally's a, a buddy of ours. He's uh, oh, he's a great guy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, what a great family they are. Yeah. They, oh they my god. Both my late model. They bought my late model and my modified. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. We love hearing all like where we talk about this all the time where people's race cars end up over the years. And yeah. that's just so neat to, by happenstance, we find who owned Wally's car. That's so neat. <laughs> uh, I love, I love in these, these stories because it, it's, it's funny because we go and <clears throat> we talk all the time about, you know, I can't remember a lick of math, but I can remember racing stats from whatever, right? Yeah, he's funny, your guy for that stuff. Right. And then it's it's you go, I, I can't you can't remember what you did yesterday, but you can remember a story from 1971, 1974. Doesn't matter what it is. You remember all the details. I just I love that because it shows, I mean, how much how much it means to you to be able to still be doing this. Right. Oh. And that, it's, it's gotta be cool because you're, you're racing now out in Atlantic Canada. And I'm, I'm very curious, Gary, what, what is the racing scene like out in Atlantic Canada? Because in Ontario, we don't really hear too much about it. So how is it? Is it healthy? Is, uh, is there work to be done? Um, and what tracks uh, are you running out of? So they, they have, almost every division here that they have in Ontario and I'll compare it with Ontario because that's where I was for 51 years racing mm -hmm. and I've been here three now. So I have 54 years racing three of them here. And um, so the series I race in is a maritime, uh, the East coast international pro stock tour. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, basically the same as APC. Uh, the only difference might be they run a Raptor transmission and we can run a, we, uh, some of the guys are running a high tower and some guys are running. Um, oh, I can't think of the one I got in my own car, but anyway, I'll think of it after, but anyway, the, and then they run a way better shock than we do until this year. And now we've opened up the shock rule to run better shocks. So, but better shocks means more money. So that's, right. that's, a, that's the simplicity of it, but we have some really, really good racers in our series. Um, Two of them right now, well, Cole Butcher, I, I'm sure you've heard of him. Yep. So he yeah. won the Oxford 250. He should have won the Winchester 400. Um, the kid's an absolute, he's a genius. He's, he's a great racer, clean racer, drives so hard. Um, and if you took the top 10 here and the top 10 in Ontario, it would probably be a really, really good race. Like I, I, I was hoping that they would do a home and home. So they would... Uh, you know, maybe 15 guys leave here and go to race at Flamborough or Peterborough or Sunset. And then 15 of them come here and either run at Riverside or Scotia Speed World or Petty, whatever. But it would be, and then you just have to raise enough money to give them the enough tow money and then have a decent purse. But what a great challenge that would be to see the top runners from Ontario racing against the, the kids down here that are absolutely great racers like there's a lot of really good racers here so i don't know that they're any better than the guys in ontario some of them probably 
I honestly, racing is based a lot on what you can afford because mm -hmm. I really believe there's a lot of awesome race car drivers that are sitting in the grandstands. They just don't, they can't, they can't do it. And I mean, they could, they could run a mini stock or they could run a four fun or they could run, but they don't want to do that. They, they got the talent to race, you know, APC, but they don't have the backing. They don't have the funding. So they end up, you know, just falling out. And that's why I'll never, I'll never ever say anything bad about anybody that used to race and doesn't race anymore. Cause a lot of it's financed. Um, the, the money down here is unbelievable. Uh, there's at least seven or eight race teams down here, highly, highly funded. When you go to a race here and you see seven or eight stackers, NASCAR stacker trailers, mm -hmm. you see one, maybe in Ontario, you might see anywhere eight to 10 here. Unbelievable. Like, and they're all smart. These kids are smart. Like they're, and the same in Ontario too. Like there, there's a lot of really good guys, but anyway, um, th that scene is really good. Uh, they also have a tour for the, what would be the super socks, which are, they call them sportsmen here, mm -hmm. same basic car. And they, they're actually bringing back, uh, thunder cars now, uh, street socks, uh, thunder cool. car and street sock is just, I think a thunder car is just a street sock on steroids. So, but the new super stock class in Ontario used to be the thunder cars. And now they're, yeah. they've, you know, they've, they've progressed into being a, a really good ser series and they're attracting a lot of guys that ran late model. They can't afford late model anymore. So they're running that. So as long as they're smart enough to keep the cost down, like that's always the thing that somebody, usually it's somebody with a lot of money will say, we should be running this because it's a lot cheaper. Well, sometimes racing parts are a lot cheaper, but now you just elevated the cost for everybody, not just for you. And, and it usually is an advantage. Some safety things aren't always an advantage. And I don't know too many safety things there are. Oh, by the way, my transmission is a Jericho. I just remember. <laughs> so, but anyway, so that's, but it's getting healthier. COVID kind of uh, messed everything up, you know, like it was ridiculous. So, and we're all, every sector of life is still paying for that yeah, because of the shutdown. So that's, everybody is paying for that. Like every single industry, it doesn't matter what you're in. They either can't get people to work. They can't get product. They can't get material. So mm. when you shut everything down and you do it just blindly, just shut everything down, think that's going to be good. We're going to, we're going to do, we're going to take two weeks to flatten the curve. Right. And then six yeah. months later, where's your papers? Where's your vaccine papers? Are you kidding? Like, you know, I thought we were just going to, you know, don't visit your family. Don't have nobody over for Christmas. And when you're eating, you better all be wearing masks. Oh, come on. Anyway, all that stuff has, has really hurt everything. But now that we're opening up, it's going to be, it's going to be better for everything because like we're, we're not restricted to how many fans we can have at a race now. Same in Ontario. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the guys here are, are are struggling a little bit because some of the tracks in new brunswick started their own series a six race mini series with the same okay. cars as us and we got a 12 race series or 11 i think 11 12 last year 11 this year so so what's what that's done is the series in in new brunswick or uh, one and one and one track in pei what they've done is they they've advertised four thousand to win and a thousand for everybody else so so our series last year was uh, like 2,700 to win and 650 if you finish 15th or 16th. 
so they they had no really no choice but to up everything but they upped it really good they they didn't they they put 3500 to win then there's like 1200 1500 1200 1200 1200 and then i think from 10th back is $1000 to 25th and then from 25th back is 750 so our series really did uh really did a you know they came forward and that's good now racing is very expensive for everybody because tires are more money now uh, shipping is more money when you can't get people to work so and diesel holy cow like i can't yeah. believe diesel used to be cheaper than regular it was mm -hmm. up and down but if anything it was like five cents more well now it's like 70 cents more like it just seems that i it just seems to me like they're doing everything they can to try and mess everything up because why would you hammer truckers so bad when that's who delivers everything that we have they deliver yeah. to all the stores so they're so na naturally they're going to charge all the big superstar stores more money because of shipping uh, because of fuel i mean well plus everything else too right everything else is up and uh, then we have to pay more people have to pay more for anyway but uh it's uh it, it it's good down here i really like the guys down here they're a lot of fun um I watch a lot of good races from my inside my race car because I can't keep up like I used to, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm still having fun. That's the key. That's the key right there. Still having fun. Right. And it it it's it's interesting because I think we could both talk about um, you know, instances where maybe you have those moments where you go, Oh man, am, am I really enjoying this anymore? And um when you made that decision to move out and to start racing out of Atlantic Canada. Was there any sort of fear for yourself? I mean, because it is a completely different um, area and, and uh, obviously made the choice to move uh, was a good one because it's Atlantic. Canada. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to were you concerned at all about if you get all the way out there and then, it wasn't maybe what you expected. So, so two things. Number one, I was born here. I was born in Truro. And then my family okay. left here in 1950 to go to Ontario. My dad became a welder, very successful welder. So we moved to Ontario. And then I grew up in Ontario, went to school in Ontario, and then started racing in Ontario. So I was very fortunate. Um, uh, when my wife and I separated in 2015. And so I was living on my own, but I rented a place from Bill Grisdale, who owns Grisdale Enterprises. Mm -hmm. And Bill was really good to me. Like he, that helped me rebuild. So I was there for four years. I had both my cars, my modified and my late model in the, in the trailer. And my dog and I lived upstairs, buttons. And uh, so that was good for four years. Like I was able to rebuild my, myself and get my credit better and get everything better, get back on my feet. And then... One day, Bill, when I paid the rent in April of 2019, he gave me the bad news that that he, he had to have that place for his grandson. Well, I was devastated. I was just crushed so bad because it was perfect for me. It was really nice. The location was good. It was kind of a little bit in the country and in the city as well. So anyway, but I... Um, but my, so anyway, that day I was pretty upset. So my son phoned me and he said, Hey dad, how's it going? I said, well, not too good. He said, why? I said, because I have, I have to move. 
He said, what? I said, yeah, he said, I just got, I said, I just got my notice. I have to move. And uh, I said, but the good news is he told me I don't have to move until the end of race season. So he was really gracious to tell me that I had until the end of, of racing. So was, if I was under there by November 15th, that would have been good. He, he, that was, that was the deal he gave me, which was fantastic because he was a great guy. He always, always looked after me and helped me. And that was a tremendous time for me to rebuild. And, but now I had, I didn't know what I was going to do. So anyway, my son's, my son said this within the same conversation. He said, dad, Shirley and I, which is my daughter, he said, we've already talked. And we said that when you have to move from there, we're, we're going to buy a house for you in Nova Scotia. And I said, wow. He said, well, you were born there. You got family there and you can still race there. So I, I, I thought about that, but you know what? I would have never been able to find any place in Ontario where I could keep two race cars. I'd have to go right. move to Thunder Bay to drive back and forth to Flamborough. I'd have to leave on Wednesday to race on Saturday, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't get home till Wednesday again. Yeah. But anyway, so they, the next month they left uh, Ontario and they flew down here to look at four places and they picked this one. So, wow. I, and when, when they bought this place, they told the guy to insulate it and put up chipboard inside the building. So he did. And that was part of the deal because otherwise it, it was going to be cold in here. Mm -hmm. And I, and they asked me about the house, what I wanted. I said, I'm more concerned about the garage like that's because I wanted to race. I and uh, man, oh man, this is the nicest garage I've ever had. I got all my stuff here. I don't know if I can show you this. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's some hardware. Most of my trophies that I've won. And uh, there's some other stuff here. I'll just give you a little bit of a tour. Yeah. So that's, uh, can you see that 800? Yes. Yeah, yeah that was uh, in 2017 at the Autumn Colors. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I ended up uh, getting all my hoods up and all my stuff. I got a oh, deal on cool. oh, got a deal on heart function. Hold on, <laughs> I just lost my mind here. <laughs> there we go. All right. Anyway, so I was able to uh, get settled here and have have this place fixed up, and it and it's really really nice. And uh, so that's how I came here. Wow. So I'm kind wow. of back home. That's great. I love that. That's amazing. Uh, you see all that because uh, it's funny. Um, you see those videos of uh, people, kids surprising their dad with their like restore his yeah his, really his, his oh, team right. car and everything like that. And we've always I've always wanted to do that for my dad when he wants a seventy. We take him back to it the car that he drove. Uh, when he delivered pizzas way, way back, it was a green <laughs> 70 Chevelle. Chevelle. Yeah. And, uh, always would want to do something like that for him, but to, to have your, or be able to pay, buy your parents something like get them a house or, and then you said like, it's, it's, it's the best place that you've, uh, you've ever been in. And, and that's, uh, that's absolutely amazing. I, I, I want to get this one question out there because you've been, able to do something that with Quaker state that man, we, we see it great. And how many times where where people have partners and we've talked about this and that they don't really, they don't have much of a presence with them. And 
I'm, I'm curious, Gary, what do you feel is the biggest mistake that people are making when they are able to get a sponsor, a partner? Because it's one thing to get somebody, but I think the harder thing is to be able to keep them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did a seminar on, on, on getting and keeping sponsors because it's one thing to get them, but it's another thing to keep them. And sometimes you can do every single thing that you thought that you should do to keep them satisfied, but they still move on. And it's heartbreaking because I mean, if like a lot of teams down here, the kids don't, don't worry about money. Like they don't worry about it. And there's a few probably in Ontario the same way. They don't worry about, you know, they, a, a pro late model costs probably 120,000 now, maybe more 130,000 with no spare parts and no lettering and no extra wheels or tires. So when you're, when you have, if you're in a situation like I am where you don't have enough income to, to, you know, I used to, uh, but now I don't because it, it didn't cost that much to race a vintage modified and right. definitely didn't cost that much to race a, 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 a Volkswagen. So, but what happens is when you get a sponsor, they need to mean everything to you. It doesn't matter whether he's given you 1500, 5,000, 15,000. It doesn't matter what he's given, whatever he's given you, that has to be really a priority for you to look after them. And so to me, how you keep sponsors, number one is to let them know what you're doing. So when you get the car done and you get a, a nice, you know, you have a nice, uh, nice paint scheme and the car looks good and there, any color can be nice. doesn't matter. You know, if you, the guys will spend the money to have, uh, you know, to get the car looking good. So any, any color combination can work. It doesn't matter if it's green and black, yellow and black, blue and gold, you know, maroon and silver, whatever you can, <laughs> there's a lot of beautiful looking paint combinations, especially today, because the people that are doing our lettering, the people that do our graphics, wow, they got all, all kinds of equipment now to be able to do four color processing to make anything on your car. Like they, so yeah. there's no excuse for not having it. Now that's not cheap, but at the same time, when you, when you, I always do a budget at the beginning of the year and I budget everything. And so that has to come out of my pocket or out of my, my funding from my sponsors. So, so I, I, you know, and I include everything, you know, rebuilding the car, uh, lettering, painting the car, lettering the car. So, and no matter whether your sponsor is a product sponsor or he's a cash sponsor, they're very important. So for keeping them, number one is to, is to have the car done, send them a picture, keep them updated. I, I email every sponsor after every race and every show I do. Um, so in other words, I give them, and it's always positive, no matter how I do. Um, I can be upset coming home from the races, but when I do my race report, you know, the headline says Quaker State team finishes in top 10, right? So, you know, like that sounds like a big deal, you know, and then I write a positive story about it. There was 22 cars there and, you know, like, yeah, so seven guys crashed. Well, it doesn't matter. We didn't and we finished in the top 10. So you used to always have a positive, positive uh, feedback to your sponsors. The other thing is, um, is, is I think one of the things sponsors care as much about their, most of them are very educated in racing. Like number one, they're going to sponsor you. Uh, that, that'll be if they like you. So if you're fortunate enough to have somebody that likes you 
or that is dealing directly with you or that knows you, then you kind of got a head start. But even that person that knows you, you don't take them for granted. You know, like my uncle works at such and such, you know, and he got me the sponsorship. Well, don't don't treat him as if he should have done it. You know, treat him with respect so that he'll go and say, hey, this kid's doing really good. You know, whatever. They don't call me a kid anymore, but I still act like that. <laughs> yeah. So then the other thing is, too, is and I just and I do this like in, in 2015, the year that I, I had a tough year that year to keep busy. I ran 32 nights and I had 21 shows. So, I mean, I just never stopped because I had to keep busy. I had to keep busy. 21 off track events. So I like Canadian Tire, uh, Easter Seals. Uh, all, all, whatever I could do, community events. And then every time you do that, take pictures and do a report, the same as you do a racing and send that to your sponsors. Uh, this yeah. week we were at uh, such and such a place and they have pictures, signing and autograph cards and autograph cards is another thing. Make sure you get autograph cards made, make them professional and with their logos on the back or the front, you know, it depends how many sponsors you have. And a nice positive write-up. And um, I, I think like one year Quaker State said to me, because they knew, like I'd been with them then, I think about 43 years. And they said, so we want to know what you, how many off-track events you're going to do. They didn't ask me if I was going to win one race. They didn't ask me if I was going to finish in the top five in points. They didn't ask me that. They said to me, we know when there's 24 cars on the racetrack, anything can happen. What we want to know is what you do with the car in the during the week besides work on it nice. so you know do you do you mind they said ask me do you this is when i got a new person looking after me do you mind taking your car to events and when i told them at up to that point i had already done about 150 events over the last 10 years they said oh wow i said yeah i have no problem at all doing events i said if you if you get them for me then i'll do them for sure because I can go to a gas station that sells Quaker State, or I can go to somewhere that, you know, to like, or I can, like what I do now, I go to Walmart because they sell Quaker State, but they mm -hmm. also sell Permatex uh, products. So that's two of my sponsors covered by going there. And, um, and then I take pictures and I send them to them. So at the end of the year, they, they should have had uh, maybe 12 to, well, not, Last year, there was, I, I raced 16 times. So they would have had 16 race reports and eight show reports, a including uh, in Ontario. When I went to Ontario, I went to a high school and did uh, for the for shop, for t uh, the, the shop. And I had my race car in a shop in, a, in the kids. Uh, uh, it was in uh, Hamilton, uh, Glendale Secondary School. So hey. that went over huge. That was uh, the kids loved it. No so, doubt. So and this and the sponsors like it too because uh, you know and I was introducing the kids to Quaker State Oil and obviously and my other sponsors as well. So it's um, I think it's whatever your sponsor wants, add more to it. That's the simple simple thing, uh, and don't let. Well, for me, like I I don't I don't want to put my race car between me and God. I don't want to make my race car my God ever. So I never say, I never say, Jesus, you wait in the pits while I go on race because you're not going to like what you're going to see. Well, if you say that to him, then you're not going to like what's going to happen next. Because <laughs> you never, for me as a Christian, you never want to leave God out of anything. 
So I pray. Now, we still get racing as an adrenaline sport. Like it's, and it's unlike hockey where you see the guys, you know, like gasping every shift because they skate up and down so hard. Well, down here, we don't have any races that are less than 150 laps. Every single one of them are 150 laps and plus a 10 lap heat plus practice plus. So it's a great workout. Somebody asked me, I went to the gym. I said, yeah, every Saturday night. You know, like <laughs> gym. So, you know what? I mean, it's, it's, it's really important that the way you race uh, is you're representing your sponsors. So don't be doing stupid things. And it's hard because when adrenaline kind of seems to mess up your mind a bit, you know, like, because you get so frustrated and, you know, you did all, all kinds of work in your car and some guy turns you and you go into the fence. Now your car is beat up. So you get mad. So, you know what, that's, that's tough. It is really tough, but your sponsor looks at you. He, he might be just as mad as you as if he goes, but if he didn't go, like a lot of my sponsors don't go to the races, they just, they want to hear from me. And um, so then I go back and say, I'll tell them that we got turned, but I won't say we got turned by this jackass. I won't say that. I'll just say, <laughs> you know, we were running really close and we made contact and we spun out, but you know, we, we didn't, or we didn't finish the race or we went to the back and we ended up finishing 14th or whatever. So just be careful how you trash that guy. Cause that could be, that could be his, whatever. It could be his nephew that spun you out. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to treat your partners. That's uh, that's for sure. And you know how to treat your fans too with uh, it's awesome. Seeing all these pictures show up on social media, these cars popping up everywhere. Uh, tell us about this program, Gary, do you have any left and uh, where can people get a hold of this? So, yeah, I have, uh, I believe right now I have uh, probably 150 left out of 700. Uh, the response has been unbelievable. And what, what I really like about it, it's, it's been really humbling for me. And I try to be humble anyway. I don't know if you can try to be humble, but I really care about everybody. I mean, to me, uh, I, I care as much for the guys that can't keep up. And now I'm one of them, but I, I couldn't keep up at the beginning. I when I was first started racing, and I'll get back to the question you asked me, but I can't help but go back and forth. But when That's I first okay. started racing, I was running into everything. And, uh, you know, I was not wrecking anybody, but just I was. So somebody asked my dad, is, is Gary going to go racing this weekend? He said, well, I think so. He said, is he a good driver? He said, well, I wouldn't say he drives a car. I said he aims it more like he aims a car. <laughs> <laughs> and it took a while before I got to the point where I would be able to do anything that, you know, that was respectful. And uh, I mean, not respectful. <laughs> I mean, where I would be considered a good runner. So right. it took me just, and you know what? Don't give up. There's, there's a thing when this says, don't give up, don't give up because everything, everything that went bad, you, you learn from it. Right. So you've right. experienced everything that can go bad. It took me 21 years to win my first championship, but most guys would never, ever hang around that long saying like, if it's going to take me that long to win a championship, like that's ridiculous. Like how come you didn't win before? Well, you know what? I didn't even know what I was doing on my car. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, somebody asked me what my stagger was. I don't know. The only thing I knew was stagger my brother and I would come over staggering up in the driveway. Like that's the only <laughs> thing I knew. I never knew anything about, 
you know, anything to do with a race car. And then guys were telling me, but do you measure the tires? I said, what do you mean measure them? I said, they're already around. I don't even know what you're talking. What do you mean measure them? He said, well, what's the uh, circumference of your tire? I said, I don't know. I said, I just put them on the car. I don't even know. He said, well, it'll make a difference. So I, it took me a while to start learning stuff. And once I did, then the talent that I did have, which developed, then, you know what, then it started showing. And in 1989, I won my first championship. And then I gave that car to my son. And then I went back running another car because I didn't care, right? Uh, winning a championship was such an unbelievable, like, that. Like, to win a feature is one thing. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. And But see, win winning... Only one guy can win. So people used to say to me, Gary, are, are you going to win tonight? I said, I don't know, but I know one thing. I'm, I'm going to race tonight. And that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going there for to race. Because winning, exactly. for me, you never knew if you were going to win. Now, mm -hmm. so you could interview a few guys and say, oh, I knew I was going to win. Because most of these guys were like Gary. They didn't know anything about their car. So I could beat them easy. And that's true, right? That's because I, But I didn't care. I wasn't trying to win. You know, I was just trying to finish. Right. Like that was the biggest thing to get out there. Don't beat up the car because we don't have a garage. Don't beat up the car. The father-in-law is tired of me working on his grass. Right. You know, like just <laughs> yeah. leave the car on the trailer all week. Well, you can't do that either. You know, but that's what we did because we didn't mm -hmm. care. We just wanted to race. We just, and then anyway, so I, uh, I, I didn't lose train of thought, but I'm just, I'm just trying to say like struggle, struggle, struggle. And then finally start running good. So from about 1987 to 2014, I ran pretty good. Like mm -hmm. I was, you know, so I had about 20, 20, over 25 years that I was someone to beat. Uh, I had a lot of good nights. I've won 40 features in my career, which you might have that as a question you're going to ask me. So I shouldn't answer what you already have asked me. <laughs> but, but you know what? I've won, I've won 19 of those features after turning 50. Right. Nice. Like that's, that's, that's crazy. Like I won 21 when I was young. And yep. I, I mean, if, if 50 is old, then I won 19 after I turned old. So, <laughs> so Still got time there, great. Uh, in October of <laughs> yep. 2021, I decided I wanted to do something special for our 50th anniversary. Cause I knew I didn't want to wait till 2022 and start figuring out what I was going to do for, with mm -hmm. the state. So I already know that every marketing manager and every company is really busy. They have a lot of things to do. They're very accountable for their money. They're very accountable for what are you doing with the money that we give you? You know, what are you doing to promote the product? What are you, what are you doing to sell more product? What are you doing to do this? And if they said, well, we're sponsoring Gary. And they said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you're giving money away. What are you doing with the other stuff? Well, we did a trade show and we opened up five new accounts or whatever. So that's, so marketing managers, I know don't, necessarily doesn't mean they don't like you they just have other things that are are priorities so i decided to take the diecast car on myself mm -hmm. so and i'm telling you i probably have 300 hours in this pro project i but don't the first thing it. i did and i know i mentioned this earlier but i prayed god guide me through this because i believe that that he wanted it to happen because he's given me good health sponsors good people my pit crew and friends and you know what? So I, and sponsors, of course. So I'm so thankful for everything I have. So the first thing I thought, okay, I called the guy that letters my car, and I said, "Hey, Kirk, do you think the, we can make diecast cars?" "Oh yeah, we can make them." 
He said, how many do you want to do? I said, well, it's going to be 50 years with Quaker State, so I think we should do 50. He said, okay. He said, uh, so do you have any ideas? I said, well, no, but let's just see what we can work on. Yeah. I think I know what I want the car to look like. I said, why don't you do a die cast of my last year, like my 2020 car, the one that best appearing car 2021, do one of that. And then let's see what that looks like. And then we'll plan a paint scheme for 2023. He said, yeah, well, we got lots of time. So anyway, so he did me a die cast car and it was absolutely beautiful. And then we, I said, okay, so, and I bought 44 die casts from his brother, who's a collector. So I bought right. 44. So I spent about $1,000 to buy those 44 and we were still looking for more. So I was on websites looking for more die cast cars, like used ones uh, that mm -hmm. people want to get rid of. So how's time? Are we okay for time? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You guys aren't going to watch a hockey game? No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he said, okay. So I said, so what would, what, what's this one going to cost me? He said, well, I'll be honest. He said, I have seven hours in this or six or seven hours. He said, you painted the chassis. I, I put it together and I had to make all the graphics. And he said, and you know what, Gary, if we're going to make these, we're going to have to sell them for like 250 to $300. I said, Holy cow. I said, nobody's going to buy them for 300. And I don't think anyway, I said, that's just, you know, it's just not, I don't think that's going to be, that's going to work. Right. So he said, well, we might have to consider something else. So I was looking at die cast makers and then a buddy of mine in North Carolina reached out to uh, Lionel and then sent me a, an email and then Lionel, um, I called them. So he said, okay. So he said, well, so what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to make 50th anniversary die cast cars. He said, 50th anniversary, this your 50th year. I said, no, it's my 50th year with Quaker state. So he couldn't <laughs> believe it. He said, wow, 50 years for the same sponsor. And I said, yeah. He said, Gary, that's incredible. And I said, I know I'm, I'm, and I want to make a die cast for it. So he said, okay. He said, well, so what do you think? And I said, well, I'd like probably to get 50 cars or maybe, you know, maybe 200 or whatever. Maybe I'll see how much they are. He said, well, let me check and see what you have to order. So he called me back the next day. He said, okay. He said, I checked with our department that makes the die cast cars. You have to order 700. I said, what? He said, 700. <laughs> That's the minimum order. I said, oh my goodness, 700. Like I went from 50 to 200. And I thought that was a big jump. Yeah. So my kids were saying to me, Dad, how are you going to sell 700 cars? I said, I think I can sell them. They said, you're going to be stuck with a lot probably. And that's going to be a big hit for you financially. So I posted on Facebook on February 1st last year. I put a picture of the green car. I said, it's next year's 50 years with Quaker State. I'm thinking of doing die cast cars. How many would you be interested? Let me know if you'd be interested. So within 24 hours, 44 people said they were interested. Mm -hmm. So I told Lionel the next day, I said, okay, I want to do this. What do I got to do? Well, he said, first thing you have to do is get letters from every person that's going on the car for licensing. You have to get every single logo has to be high res and you have to do a paint scheme. And we need, when you do the paint scheme, we need to know the Pantone colors so we can make it like what you want. I said, okay. So then that's whenever the work started because yeah. then getting the letters was nothing. It was like, it was something, but it was really no issue. Now was getting the paint scheme that I wanted. I knew what I wanted. I wanted a black and gold car 
gold for 50. And if you look at the Quaker State logo up on the wall, you can see black and gold in it. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's got black and gold in their logo. Yeah. So anyway, I had a whole bunch of renditions were sent to me, you know, different renders and guys were sent. I said, no, no. One guy, I said, I want black and gold. They sent me green and gold. I said, no, that's neither one of them are black. I said, black and gold. So anyway, mm -hmm. there's a guy in Arkansas that, that does them for eye racing. And you might have seen his post anyway. Rodney Sullins and Kirk Alexander, between the two of them, they worked on getting what I want because Kirk really, like, he's been so good to me. Like, the first year that he lettered my car, he sent me a picture. I said, I don't like that. He said, okay. And I said, I hope you're not offended, but I, I don't like it at all. He said, no, no, I'll use it for somebody else. So him and I finally come up with a paint scheme. And it was a home run. Like, it was absolutely, like, beautiful. Like, I, I got the right paint, green, and, and then all his graphics were so good. And uh, we were runner-up in best appearing car that year, and then with that same paint scheme, we won best appearing car in 2021. And I and I declined to put my car in for 2022 because it was exactly the same. I give somebody else a chance, right? I believe if you change your paint scheme, then you you have a chance to go against other people. But if you just keep it the same, you know, even though it still could be the best looking car, but that's not the way I want to do it. Give somebody else a chance. So anyway, so we started working. We finally got the paint scheme. So then I sent it to Lionel. Then they start sending me 3D pictures back of the two cars, like one face and one the other way. I said, man, oh man. I said, that doesn't look like gold. It looks like copper. And then he said, Gary, that's that's gold. I said, but it looks awful. I, I don't want tan. I don't want champagne. I don't want orange. I don't want yellow. I don't want copper. I want gold. He said, it will be gold. Oh boy. I said, well, all right. So he said, I'll tell you what. He said, as soon as you approve this, We'll go to pre-production and then we'll send you two prototypes. I said, okay. So I, I said, all right, let's go with it. But then now I had to send just, just under $20,000. I had to send to them. That scared the death of me, right? Now I'm, I just paid that kind of money for a picture, right? So <laughs> anyway, about two months later, I get, I get the diecast car and I fall in love with it. It's uh it's a prototype, but, so the trunk, when I opened the trunk, the fuel cell was black. When I opened the hood, it wasn't very detailed. And then, but as far as the outside of it, it looked really good. And he said, yeah, don't worry. And I said, yeah, this gold, the gold look, looks nice. And um, he said, well, as soon as you approve it, we'll go to production. I said, okay, I'm good to go. So he said, uh, all right, so send us another payment and we'll go to pr production. So that's what happened. And then, so I got the car. So I was hoping to have it for Christmas because a bunch of people wanted them for Christmas. So one of my sponsors, he had ordered quite a few and they were going to be Christmas presents. But then I got a message from Lionel saying that the cars would not be here until probably early January. And the reason why was the same thing happening on the, the East Coast as the West Coast. There was a whole bunch of container ships in the ocean. Nobody to unload them, right? They didn't have enough people to unload them and they were way behind. So they said, Gary, you're probably not going to get until January. I said, oh, my goodness. So that was in early December. So I called my sponsor up and I said, look, I, I'm not going to be able to get the cars for Christmas. And he was he was disappointed, clearly disappointed because they were such a beautiful car. And he wanted and he seen them because I had the prototype to show him. And he ordered quite a few. And uh, so I had to think what I'm going to do. So I decided to make up a postcard. And it's and the postcard was of the die cast car. 
and mm -hmm. it, above it, it had like Christmas lights and it had Christmas, you know, the, the green stuff for, for Christmas. What do they call it? Ivy garland. Or, <laughs> garland. Um, yeah. Or cabbage or whatever. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. so, and, and it said, Merry Christmas. This is your, this is your gift coming soon. Nice. So it was a postcard size and I, I showed that to him and he said, perfect. So I gave him a, I, I ordered 150 of them and I, I sent them to other people that had bought them that wanted them for their kids for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I, I was able to overcome that. that. That was a scary thing. I didn't want any people to be upset. Oh, and, for sure. uh, then I got the car and I just tell you a quick story, but when they showed up, when the guy showed up with the die cast, there was two skids. So I shoveled my driveway because there was a bit of slush and stuff in the driveway. I shoveled it. And then as he's bringing it towards my garage, he said, what's in these? I said, I'll show you inside. So when I opened the garage door, he said, whoa, he said, you're a race car driver. I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, so what's in, the, what's in the boxes? So I showed him the prototype and he went nuts and he right away got on the phone and phoned his buddy. And he said, Darren, he said, you're not going to believe this. I'm at a guy's race shop. And he said, he just ordered die cast cars. And he said, this guy's been racing like over 50 years. So Darren, who follows our series, he said, oh, that's got to be the Quaker State guy. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, so what do you mean he's got die cast? He said, he's, he's made die cast cars to celebrate 50 years with Quaker State. He said, wow. He said, I'm on my way. So he came. <laughs> I said, where are you? And he said, I'm at Tim Hortons. I said, grab me a coffee. So he came and we, so we opened up the one box and you'll notice it too. So I, <clears throat> I said I want one and 36, right? So if you look at the front of your box that you got, it says one of 700, yep. right? So I'm thinking, wow, how, how, what are the odds of actually grabbing number one, the first box, right? So then when we opened up the car, we didn't open up the car. We, uh, we grabbed another box for him. He wanted to buy a car. So we grabbed another one and it said one of 700. I thought, what? <laughs> So then I phoned Lionel. I said, number one, I said, I just got my die cast cars. I was expecting a Lincoln Continental and I got a Rolls Royce. I said, I'm so happy with this. This is unbelievable. I mean, the box, like I could sell the box for a hundred bucks. I thought, you know, like just, <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's beautiful. He said, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that you're, yeah, those pictures there. So the first one on the back is 1974. So that's my first year with Quaker State. And the second one, is uh, my 10th year, and it says right on the hood, Quaker State 10th year. The third one is my 24th year with Quaker State, and the last picture is my 40th year with Quaker State. So I was so happy with how that turned out, like, you know, and uh, so anyway, then the guy says to me, uh, oh, no, I said to the guy from Lionel, I said, so it says one of 700. He said, yeah, he said, there's 700 cars, I know, but where's two of 700? You know, where's three of 700? I said, they all say one, right? He said, yeah. yeah. Oh, I said, well, then, so we started pulling more up. And I said, well, there's, in this box, there's 28, 114, 69, 103. I said, are they not in order? He said, no. Oh. I said, kidding. They're not, they're not sequenced. He said, no. I said, well, where's the number? He said, on the back window, you got to take the car out. Look at the back window. You'll see the last three numbers is the number of the car. Okay. Oh, I said, you've got to be kidding. So we have 700 cars that we've got to open. 
and then get the number and write it on the cardboard box. Oh my so, God. <laughs> so those two guys come over the next day. They were so excited. They come over the next day and four of my pit crew showed up. So there were seven of us. It took us five and a half hours to open every one and number, <laughs> and number the car. Yeah. Wow. So what, but because some people wanted a certain number, like uh, my crew chief from Ontario, who's been with me many, many years, he, uh, he said, Gary, I want 36. I said, no. I said, you can have, I said, you, can, you can't even have 136 because it's gone, but you can have 336. He said, what are you, crazy? He said, I'm your number one fan. I said, I know. I said, but I want to have 36. He said, no, your son gets 37. Your daughter gets 35 because that's what her number was. And David was 37. And he said, your grandchildren get 137 and 20, but I get 36. I said, okay, you know what? All right. You know, and uh, uh, let me think about it. So anyway, I ended up giving him 36. So I kept one and 700. The book ended. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's a great story. It's, um, it's a beautiful die cast car and we are both, yes, it is. we are both huge die cast fans as I'm sure you can see from the collections behind us, but um. Gary, uh, we we could go on and talk for hours and hours and hours, and I think we were we may have only started with part one here because I think we're gonna have to do a, a, another episode with you at some point. But obviously, um, we want to thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us, and and we always like to get uh, to to hear and and get a thank you uh, out to those people that have supported you. So I'm sure you've got some other partners along with Quaker state that you'd like to thank. Um, so this is the, this is the time for, for thanking them. So just one thing, if anybody wants a die cast car, so they yes. can email, uh, actually, you know what they could, uh, either Facebook me, which mm -hmm. is, is the easiest. So, uh, they'll notice uh, I'm on Facebook and they'll see a picture of buttons, my dog sitting on a Quaker state table. Yep. And, um, and a picture of my race car. So if you're a Facebook friend or you want to be, that's the easiest way. Um, otherwise, um, you could e uh, email me, uh, Gary Elliott Motorsports at gmail.com. And the diecast cars right now are 125. And depending where you live, uh, shipping would be probably be maybe max 35 uh, for parts of Ontario. I just sent one today to Ontario, Burlington. It was $30 and 20 cents and i sent one to port elgin and it was uh, almost 35 so but that's probably as i have sent them to bc and uh a bunch to the u.s uh through fedex and uh yeah so i'm really that's my paint scheme for this year that's what that'll be my what my car is going to look like for it's 2023 beautiful. so yeah so I want to thank obviously Quaker State. Like one, one day I said to Quaker State, "Do you want to, do you want to be my only sponsor? Like, you know, we'll just put pictures of oil on the car or whatever." And they said, "No, no, no. You know what? You get as many associates if you want. That's fine. We're we'll we'll just sponsor you." But then they became my primary sponsor. And then when I did the hood with the big Q, big Quaker State filling the hood like that diecast, they they couldn't believe it. That was as pretty as any NASCAR that races on TV. Like they said, this car should be at the Daytona 500. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, so, but I got uh, a bunch of people that have been with me for a long time, but I, 
I must say that East Coast International, the people that sponsor the tour, and also uh, uh, they've been tremendously supportive of me. Pie Chevrolet is, and now they're local. Pie Chevrolet is, is a car dealership in town. Uh, mm -hmm. They've been with me since I've been here, three years. Yep, there they are. And you'll notice on the side of the car, um, uh, grindstone on the trunk, on the trunk, yep. grindstone. Right back right there. Yeah, so he started with me in 2008. And so, and I just tell you this because you got to be careful when you're talking to sponsors, but he really likes me. So I said, I said to him in 2018, I said, hey, Jay, do you think, that you could give me a little bit more next year. He said, Gary, I, I don't, I can't give you no more. I don't advertise. I don't have a website and I'm so busy. I can't even keep up. And I, and I, and I only do this cause I like you. I said, okay, perfect. I said, good enough. I said, I appreciate it. He said, no worries. He said, just go and have fun. He said, I'm glad to support you. You're a first class guy and I really like you. So then when I moved to Ontario or from Ontario to here, so I was only here like two months getting set up in my shop and everything. And I was reaching out to my sponsors. So I called him. I said, Jay, are you going to, are you going to sponsor me in 2020 and 2020? He said, Gary, he said, why would I sponsor there? He said, it wouldn't do me any good. I said, well, I wasn't doing you any good in Ontario. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so he said, you're right. So he, so Grindstone has been with me the second longest of all my sponsors. And, <laughs> and awesome. uh, Permacraft has been with me for uh since 2013 ppg they supply all my paint uh, mm -hmm. permatex supplies me product um epic racewear uh they've been really good uh dan uh, has mm -hmm. been really good with me so i usually get and if we're going to do hoodies and hats and t-shirts which i think we will oh yeah there you go yeah. yeah awesome yeah they're really good and uh they're they're great people like really easy going and and i'm sure everybody reaches out to them for sponsorship but i try to you know, I try to buy stuff from them and then sell it like so they can make money and we can make money as well. And then uh, Race Time Radio, Joe Chisholm, uh, he's, he supports me. His, his car's logo's on the car as yep. well. And um, I said PPG. And then Inkscape, so the people that make my autograph cards. So they, they, make, they make these. And uh, they're out of Burlington, Ontario. And they're, they're really good to me as well. They've been with me probably seven or eight years. And uh, there's a new guy that you got to have on your show. And, uh, oh, my cousin, El uh, Built by Elliot, I don't want to forget him for sure. Built by Elliot, he's, uh, he does all kinds of wood carvings and all kinds of stuff. He does all kinds of woodwork. He can do, and he does cabinets. He does everything. Like he's a carpenter, but he also nice. does custom custom work. And then Finish Line Graphics, they, that's the fellow that letters my car and helped mm -hmm. design that car. And then the last one I want to mention, I only, and it's not the last one, the least important, but they, they have a board game called Motor City Madness Board Game. And it's a board game about racing. And it's like Monopoly, like that kind of uh, idea. And uh, so they've been, he's been working on this for about four years. And they just went to uh, Kickstarter to get it started off. And uh, they're looking for donations to try to get this going. And if it, if it goes good, they want to have a special edition of uh, a Gary Elliott version of nice. it. Nice. Yeah, and uh, with the Hall of Fame, because I'm going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame next week, uh, which we didn't talk about because I just I had too many long stories to tell you. But anyway, I'm going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame next week, and they they they're they're going to actually be there, 
And uh, I, I invited most of my sponsors, all of them, but they, they, you know, it's just impossible for some of them to make it. And uh, nobody from Quaker State can make it, unfortunately, because one of them's going to be in South Africa and the other one's going to be in Kingston, Ontario. So they, they can't, they can't make it, but they're there in spirit for sure. And uh, the other uh, thing about the board game, they're going to have a special edition about featuring like for Gary Elliott and they're going to offer the diecast cars. So, Oh, like, perfect. Yeah. So it'll be a little more money for that game, but they're talking about buying maybe 75 diecast cars. And if they do, I only going to have a hundred left for, <laughs> for racing. So anyway, it's uh, everything is really good. It's going good. The sales are good and people are excited. Like that's the biggest thing. Like, everybody's seen pictures of the diecast car right nobody really seen the car itself and when they got the car they just couldn't believe how much better it was in the pictures you know, <laughs> it's beautiful unlike a dating site a dating site sometimes doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know i'm just saying like it could, it could be the opposite uh, <laughs> Uh, well, Gary, we, uh, again, uh, we're so honored to have you on. And yeah, as Cam said, I hope it's not the last time uh, we'll talk to you again and uh, and see maybe how your season's going. And uh, yeah, everybody, uh, get them while you can. By the sound of it, these things are a hot commodity. And I, I, I'm so glad to uh, to own one. It's, it's a great memento. And uh, we wish you all the best with your Hall of Fame induction, too. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And we'll talk about my my next goal is to try and reach 900 in a row. So I have 875 yes. consecutive nights uh, since June 5th, 87. We're going to try to hit 900 this year. So I got to run 25 nights. And then somebody the other day or about two or three weeks ago said to me, Gary, why don't you try to reach a thousand? Because that would be worthy of another diecast car. I said, wow, <laughs> you're kidding me. But you know what? That's okay. Uh, you know, maybe who knows? I didn't think I was going to make 50 years with Quaker State after on our 40th because it's that's 10 years. You got to think about what are you going to do in 10 minutes? Never mind 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very, very much. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your awesome program. Um, you know, there's a lot there, I want to be on, I, I'd like to be on again and then talk about some some other things, whatever. I got lots to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely going to be on the show again. Gary Elliott on the Stickers and Scuffs podcast. Mm -hmm.